You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. Welcome to City Council Chronicles. Somewhere out there, a city council meeting is happening, and you're not watching it, but I am. Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Carlick, and you're listening to the City Council Chronicles podcast. For City Council meeting reviews, click on councilchronicles.com. Welcome to Bridging the Political Gap. I'm Randall Wallace, and this is a special little interview. Uh, this this is a, a fun one from 2017, toward the end of my time on the Myrtle Beach City Council. I was up for re-election, and I, as some of you know, I, I, I lost. But there's a show called uh, City Council Chronicles with Michael Carlick. He invited me to come on. It's a national podcast, and uh, and uh, we had a good time. And you're going to hear from some, some of my favorite people and some of my not-so-favorite people in this segment uh, but uh, we're going to talk about the city of Myrtle Beach, some of the things that were going on, some uh, kind of uh, lighter, lighthearted more stuff, and some very, very serious stuff that was going on toward the end of our time. Uh, we'll probably discuss the, the shooting that happened downtown in 2017. Uh, and on top of that, I'm going to tell a really uh, good story about my mom. And April 9th was my mother's birthday. She She unfortunately passed away in March of last year, so this is sort of a... A tribute to her, I guess. She, she herself doesn't talk, but it's a cute story about uh, my time on city council. I was elected at a pretty young age. I was 30 years old. And my mother retired here about two years into my first term. And uh, and she was not used to politics and the rough and tumble ways of it sometimes. And uh, there's a cute story that is very, very true at the end of this show uh, that uh, will be pretty funny about her um, uh, her habits <laughs> when the cameras went off at a city council meeting. But anyway, I hope you'll enjoy this. Like I said, this was an appearance in 2017, uh, in the summer, I believe, uh, before the re-election really uh, got going. So with that, hope you enjoy the show. On today's episode, I talk to Randall Wallace, city councilman in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, can we get some beach music on track two, please? Thank you. He has been on the city council for 16 years, and we talk about what things were like when he first got there as a fresh-faced 30-year-old. Plus, I guarantee it'll put a smile on your face to hear what his mom does for him after he has a difficult council meeting. So let's get to it. Episode 47. Stay tuned. Councilman, you are in Myrtle Beach, so obviously my first question to you is, how many pina coladas have you had so far today? (laughs) 
Well, actually, we do. Some of us we work around here, so uh, I I, <laughs> I haven't had any uh, had anything yet today. But uh, you never know after five. <laughs> okay, well, it is five o'clock somewhere. I don't know if you've heard I, that. I am actually a big Jimmy Buffett fan, so I, I've heard that one. Nice. The feeling is mutual. Well, I want to start at the beginning. You were first elected in 2001. Now, in 2001, George W. Bush was the president. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees was at the top of the chart. <laughs> and Bill Cosby was still okay. <laughs> what was different about Myrtle Beach City Council meetings 16 years ago? Well, you know, it, we, had, we, had a, we had a group of people that uh, I was the only new member. Um, but uh, it was a kind of a raucous group. There was there was some contention on that council that amongst the mayor and several members. And uh, today it's uh, a lot more cohesive. Um, a lot of that kind of drama that had been a part of the city politics at the time um, has gone away. Yeah, yeah. You were thirty when you first started, right? Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, my birthday was in August, late August. So, uh, so I was actually, I think, twenty nine or, or so. And had birthday right in there as I, as I came on into office, and uh, and I had run one time before. I was the real young guy then, mm-hmm. uh, and lost. I finished last the first time I ever ran. So yeah. So when you say the meetings were raucous, I imagine to a thirty year old, you were thrilled uh, with your hormones rushing and your brain not fully developed at the prospect of contentious <laughs> meetings. Well, I, I, I've never been one. I, I, I'm more of a peacemaker, and I try to find a deal. But I, it was I was. If I was guilty of anything back in those days, I was just glad to be there. <laughs> and especially I had run two years before and I'd finished last. And uh, and to come back and have a whole series of events that landed me on the council was, was a thrill. So, I, you know, as all this drama was going on around me, I had a little bit of a of just a I'm just glad that I that I was here. <laughs> yeah. Well, being so young when you got on there, do you remember in those council meetings being on the receiving end of any... Uh, well, I guess now we would call them microaggressions, but just any treatment or attitudes that said to you, hey, just keep quiet and learn from the adults here. Um, I don't know about, you know, if anybody was aggressive about it. I was very, very fortunate in that um, the man that was sitting beside me during in my first two years was the senior member of council. And he'd been on council 22 years, which is still unheard of in Myrtle Beach. Mr. Kane in the whole history of the city had been a councilman for, for many, many years. And I kind of followed his lead. He, um, he had, uh, he, he was kind of a throwback to, uh, you know, uh, old style of politics. Uh, you know, he, he, when we got that around the horn and we got to talk, he would pull out, uh, uh, napkins and, and pieces of paper where he had some constituent had talked to him about trash pickup or, or whatever, you know, uh, whatever their issue was, and he'd have it written down, and then he'd, he'd say, you need to go take care of this over here, and he'd go down the list. And uh, and I kind of learned the number one priority, of course, is taking care of your care of your folks. There's a lot of big issues we deal with, but the, the little stuff that I think that uh, that your folks will, will uh, find endearing to, uh, for you. Uh, 16 years later, do you use the napkin method, or do you have a more sophisticated way of keeping notes? I'm a bad about uh, doing the same thing. I, I uh, little notebooks or whatever, and uh, you know, people call you and email you now uh, more so than, than. But I still, you know, I still rather go and talk to people, and 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 I like the fact that people feel free to come and approach me wherever I'm at and talk to me about 
whatever their issues are and for them to feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you, you know? Right. Well, um, Randall, we have a bit of a problem here of our own, and I like what you're saying about constituents being able to come and approach you, but I went on the city's website looking to watch the Myrtle Beach City Council meetings to see you in action, and I became kind of angry when I saw that you do not put your meeting videos online. And look, I've heard a number of reasons from other people on this program why they don't do this, and uh, I haven't found much of it convincing, but would you explain to me why Myrtle Beach doesn't want me to watch you? Well, we're televised, and uh, so you, we have televised meetings, and they rebroadcast them, and you can go to our public information officer and, and ask for a copy of the meeting. and and. They do all that. So, you know, it's a little old school, and that's probably more or less why it has not been done. He, uh, in this last year's budget, we have hired um, two new folks that are that are like assistant public information folks. They've been putting the minutes online and, and, and doing that thing. So I think we're moving towards coming into the 21st century in that respect. Um, I don't know what it would take. Uh, so it's a pretty good question that I probably need to ask Mark about what it would take to um, – to set it up from our TV um, mm-hmm. uh, broadcast, yeah, how to set it up so that it could be live streamed. It's, you know, that's actually a pretty good, pretty good question. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's kind of how it's been, and we've just just now, um, kind of in the last, I'd say, year and a half. I'm trying to think how long the, the, the two new assistants have been there, where we've upgraded, got a got a new Facebook page and Twitter presence and Instagram and. And uh, and so that would be probably a very good next step to live stream the meeting. So I certainly would be supportive of it. I don't know what it is. That's one of those questions. I have to find out what the cost and all that kind of stuff are. But, uh, you know, we're moving towards doing more of that Internet presence. But uh, as long as I've been on council, we've either had videotapes, or DVDs and a television broadcast that have been open to people. Okay, well, I am glad to hear that you're open to video streaming the meetings. And a couple of points on what you said. I did inquire about the DVDs of council meetings. And to get that, I would have to pay the city to have those DVDs burned and mailed to me. So that's not exactly the best option for someone wanting to watch your meetings. And then what you said about the two assistants being hired in the last year and a half. Uh, are you aware that the most recent set of meeting minutes on the city's website is from August of 2015? Um, I know that they are behind, so I know that they are uh, they're trying to get yeah. to the current level. Um, we're playing catch up in the um, in the stuff online, so. Right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you are running for re-election currently, mm-hmm. as are two other council members and the mayor. Yes. Uh, if you came across in these meetings as the voice of reason, the consensus builder, the guy who treats everyone well, I would think you'd want voters to know that. And by the same logic, if someone in those meetings is making your life difficult, behaving abominably, you'd want the voters to know that, too. Uh, Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're very fortunate in that the seven members that are that are currently on council, uh, we don't always agree, but we've gone out of our way to be to disagree agreeably. And so, uh, you know, as far as being online or live stream or easier to get to, I certainly would support that. You know, we've had some changes, and I do think if if uh, 
if this one thing we're we're starting to move towards because we've had the same same upper management staff for many many years, like 29 years. Our former manager had been the manager, and um, our new manager has been in about three. So you're seeing a lot of change happening now. Um, with, and, and so we're kind of moving out of the status quo, which is I think why we're behind a little bit on the on the internet end with the, the minutes and the video and that kind of thing. Well, one other thing, not to pile on to your list of things to worry about, but your meetings are at 2 p.m. Is that also correct? Yeah, they're in the afternoon. Yeah, again, with the uh, with the no video streaming, the minutes out of date, the meeting happening during the workday, I couldn't help but get the feeling that there are as many obstacles as possible being thrown up if someone wants to see what's happening at the council meeting. So have you ever uh, talked about moving it to an evening time? Well, actually, when I was first elected, um, probably for the first, I'm trying to think of when we changed, we used to do a workshop on Thursdays, um, and then which would be 9 a.m. in the mornings, uh, and then the televised meeting was at 7 o'clock on Tuesdays, uh, the second and fourth Tuesday. Interesting. We combined those two meetings, and we moved the 7 p.m. meeting to 2 o'clock. Um, the majority of council, in which I was not one, um, felt like, you know, we were keeping staff there. It had been routine when we, when the, when we had a new mayor elected that we had had meetings that ran sometimes till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And it made great television, but the staff was having to be there from eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning until we finished. And then they had to come back. Whereas, you know, the rest of us went to our other jobs. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, the consensus of the majority of council was to do it at two o'clock in the afternoon. This way we were done by a lot of times we're done by four, but you know, it, even in a late day, it's five or six and it's not as long a day for the staff. I'm more of a night person and I I'd also work um, in the restaurant business and, and that kind of thing through the, and the theater business. So I understood about people wanting to come later on. That it might be a little freer for them um, to come to a 7 p.m. meeting than a two meeting, two o'clock meeting. But I was in the minority on that. Huh. Well, that is interesting background. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, if I may throw out a few things that I've heard from others on this program, I know that there is one city council in Australia which has a rule that staff may not work more than 10 hours in a day. So if the city council meeting goes until 8 or 9 o'clock at night, that means the staff would also come in later in the morning, maybe 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and in Raleigh, they have an afternoon council meeting and an evening council meeting. The afternoon has more non-controversial items like business permits that the staff who come in at 8 or 9 a.m. can be present for. And then in the evening, when the public is there, then you get into the more controversial stuff. And not every city employee has to be there for that. So those are just two ideas, maybe one of them is right for yeah. Myrtle Beach. Well, I, I'll have to bring it up. We I haven't really talked to other council members about how they feel about it. it it's been a long time ago decision, and um, we do have at least two new members, I think, since since the uh, since that decision was made. So I, you know, I've never really uh-huh. haven't really pursued it. A lot of times when I'm in the minority, I don't like to fight the same battles over and over and over again. You know, because that's how you end up making people. <laughs> You know, getting to be the guy that can't get anything done because you don't ever let it go. Um, right. But uh, it would be worth looking at again. 
Mm-hmm. Well, with all that being said, there is actually one meeting whose video I found online. This was a special meeting from June 20th of this year. Now, Councilman, can you briefly explain what happened in Myrtle Beach that made this meeting necessary? Uh, well, we had uh, a shooting in, in downtown um, in the middle of the night. I, I, I want to say it was about one o'clock in the morning. And there was a gentleman that was a uh, on vacation in Myrtle Beach that was up high in one of the high rises. And I mean, he could not have been a movie producer and had a set of circumstances to film any, any greater. He was on Facebook live and, um, a group of kids, they got into a fight and altercation. There was, I think a girl had got in the street and was dancing around or something. And I don't know exactly how the fight itself started, but got pulled out a gun and, and started shooting into the crowd. And, um, that security guard shot him and he then carjacked, a car that was right, like right off scene. And, uh, but one policeman came there right as it was unfolding. And I think his car was shot at a couple of times. And so he came around to get in a better position, but the whole thing went on Facebook live and there was, you know, I don't know about three or 4 million views of it. And it made, you know, national news. Um, mm-hmm. and so we decided, council decided that, uh, you know, we needed to address that. Um, and to allow the community to come in and, and, um, and vent. So I'm sure you saw a lot of uh, colorful commentary from some folks that, uh, were upset and, you know, some of them justifiably, some of them candidates coming up for November. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, it was a, it was a very tough situation for the community and, we had to address it pretty quickly. Sure. And a lot of people have this TV image of a city council meeting where it's a full room of impassioned citizens coming to speak. And usually that's not how city council meetings go. But for this meeting, that's absolutely what happened for more than an hour as public commenters came up and told you all how angry they were and in some cases how they didn't care for some of you. (laughs) I think the resignation of the mayor, the city manager, and the city council should come forward. I believe that Horry County should appoint an interim administrator, suspend the city attorney. What are you going to do for the residents? What are you going to do for us? And when are you going to do it? We're going to hold your feet to the fire. Elections are coming up. A lot of you... I either know you personally or I'm related to you, but I don't care. When elections come around, you better be on the ball. I brought up that position that I've only here four short years. And if I'm able to find out this much, and I know much, much more, it goes really deep. I know more than maybe 10 of your best people in this city. How deep Our three-term mayor needs to be shown the door. Let's talk about some of what we heard. There was one lady who said she knows some of you, is related to some of you, but that doesn't matter now. Uh, Can you remember ever being friends with someone in the city, and then one day they walk into a council meeting and tear into you guys and completely surprise you? Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, that you get people who are impassioned about any issue that you get into that's, that's got some controversy to it. And, and, you know, that's one thing I've learned, uh, in the 16 years that I've been doing this is, um, you may not end up with the same friend 16 years later that you had when you started, Mm -hmm. but in this case, 
you had some people that 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 uh, you know they were upset. I mean, this is you know, the, would you take a hit in a town that's a hospitality town for uh, something like this? You know, they're upset. The potential to to have it kind of blow up on you in a in in the in the season is you know kind of a financial problem for for some of the folks in your. Yeah, and I'm glad that you bring that up because I want to play something one more commenter said. Take a listen. My son waited tables here when he was going to Coastal Carolina. He told me how many times checks were not paid. There were times when a whole group of people would get up at one time and walk out of a restaurant and not pay. These things are unrecorded. And I know why, because we want to protect the reputation of our city. But guess what? The cat's out of the bag. Now, I haven't talked with anyone else on this program from a city that really depends on having a positive image like Myrtle Beach does. How much is there to his point that in city council meetings, there's maybe a reluctance to air dirty laundry because you have a reputation to uphold? Well, he's he's referring, if it's the gentleman I'm thinking about, about a Memorial Day Bike Week, which is a uh, an event a neighboring community hosts. But we end up getting this influx of 350,000 people. It's a, a, the, the Black Bike Weekend, Atlantic Beach Bike Fest, um, and some issues that are related to that. Okay, you know, but it is important. I mean, we have we have an image to uphold, but I think it is a very safe community and. Um, you know, a well-run community, but you like anywhere else, you have to keep your eyes open um, when you're here. And that would be my advice to anybody to, you know, you want to be smart about what you do. And sometimes people come on vacation and they, they, uh, they get in vacation mode and maybe they don't, they don't think about that the way they do at home. Mm-hmm. Well, we heard another lady say that the mayor needs to be shown the door and that got applause from the crowd. And obviously in council meetings, you'll have people come in dissatisfied and maybe say something like, oh, you shouldn't be in office. But this is an election year. Does that kind of rhetoric matter more to council members now than it would if the lady had said it in 2016 or 2015? Well, 2015 was an election year, too, for some other members, but you know, it, it, I think it always, you know, it always bothers you to have people come in and, and they're angry and saying all this kind of stuff that, and, and you, and you, especially when it's a crowd full and they're all cheering and all that, because, you know, I mean, we're human too. Um, and you try very hard to do your job, um, the best you can and resolve problems. Um, they come to you and some of them are long-term and, and, and you've got time to work on them, and some of them like this situation come out of the blue. And so you're, you're kind of stuck. There was a reason, though, the crowd that was on that uh, in that hall, not all of them, and and but there was a good chunk of them that were not city residents. The Myrtle Beaches has a very huge uh, kind of community outside of us called Carolina Forest. All right, and we took some pretty drastic steps to to uh, we metered um, the street ends. We stopped allowing parking on Ocean Boulevard. Um, except for people who had city stickers, because, you know, we want to look after the people who live in the city that don't have access to the beach, that they have a way to get to the beach. And a lot of these folks who don't live in the city are very angry with us about it. And I understand why they're angry. Uh, and they were pretty upset. And so when this all happened, it was a lot of those folks came over to cheer on um, unseating the mayor and some of the council members. Um, I still would like to figure out a way to address um 
you know, get, figure out a way to get people who don't live in the city limits, who are our fellow people in Orie County. You do the best you can. And, uh, and I still, like I said, want to try to find some ability to compromise so that we're, we're not being unfriendly to our neighbors. But, you know, they don't live in the city, and we've had to do some things to protect the city. Sure. Well, in 2013, I saw that you tweeted this out, quote, my mom watches council meetings. She will call me when she gets mad and how people talk to me, the public or other councilmen. Uh, Randall, does she still do that? Uh, well, she's uh, we've, we've had, you know, a, l- a little bit of a sadder period of time over the last four years. I had a, a brother passed and I had a, my stepfather died um in the last couple of years and so she's uh had a few distractions where she doesn't keep up with like she did but when i when she first uh when i first was on um uh, if i got entangled with one of the council members or or somebody came in they were really mad at me i it, as soon as we went off tv my phone would ring and it would be her don't you let him talk to you like that or <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how you put up with this i you know she would just go off and uh so it was good to have a mom in your corner that uh it's going to stand over top of you like that. Oh, yeah, that's very sweet of her. Do you remember if she said anything to you after the June 20th meeting? <laughs> she did watch that. She um, she kind of, you know, I, I think over the years, it's um, she's gotten a little thicker skin about it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so she, it didn't bother her as badly. But uh but yeah, she still she still can get a little feisty about uh, <laughs> about what she perceives I'm getting treated bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, how should someone who's coming to speak to you at a council meeting do it the right way? What do they need to avoid doing or avoid saying for you to be on their side? I think anytime somebody's reasonable, I mean, even if they're mad, you know, they're coming to to voice uh, whatever issue um has got them angry uh you know and 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 make their point and there are just there's just ways to do that is civil um you know the the first gentleman that you played on that the the one's video i mean he's he's constantly on the internet just just ripping us and you know it's kind of hard to take that seriously when you know they're just just attacking us to attack us but you know when you've got a legitimate complaint and you come over there and you say you know you know, why can't you be fixed? You know, we've tried to live up to the city motto of first in service. I know the staff does, and I think council, all of my colleagues do, um, try to see what we can do to resolve um, whatever issue you have. And I think as long as you try to act like an adult, um, you're generally going to get good service from us. And, and even when you don't, we're going to try to solve whatever your problem is. It's just, you know, sometimes some people you just, you do the best you can <laughs> at dealing with them. I did find one other video online, and it's from October 2015. And like the June 20th meeting, it is difficult to watch, but it does raise an interesting question. Now, from what I can gather, there was a woman who was assaulted by her brother, and she was unable to get a restraining order from the court or to get him locked up. Mrs. Mitchell stated, Jack Raven Jr. threatened her by saying, I'm going to kill you. You're digging your own grave. And so she came to a council meeting to ask you to investigate the police department. Now, I want to listen to Councilman Wayne Gray break into her testimony. I have no idea of what you're emotionally, personally feeling. But frankly, it's inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. It's unfair. Because it's not right for you to sit in front of this body 
and and ask us to intervene. You have I to am place asking us in a awkward position. In the it is not highly That's inappropriate. Not I am a citizen. I am a business owner. You are supposed to look after me. You would be elected by the people, and the people in these reports are not just me, Wayne. I understand. They are I not just me. Right. Okay, now you said at the beginning that looking out for constituents is your top priority, and, and you said just a minute ago that people have a right to come and, and voice whatever complaint they have to you. I'm wondering, when she says that the city council is supposed to look out for her, uh, what does that mean to you? Well, on a big sense, you know, we we need to make sure that and have a forum where people can voice whatever issues are going on that involves, you know, the city services that we're supposed to be providing, which is police, fire, you know, all of that. In the case there, with, which you just had a clip of, I know both of the folks involved. Uh, you know, it's a family dispute, and she was very, very upset. He is also very, very upset, and and it sort of was a it has been an ongoing thing. I don't think it was the the correct forum for uh, for her, she, you know, there was some a judge and that kind of thing, or magistrates, so whoever. Counsel was not really in a position to deal with the complaints that she had at the time, um, and and I, as far as I know, they have gone elsewhere to settle their dispute. So it was, you know, it was kind of an an awkward situation to be in. You know, both of them are are fine people. I've known both of them mm-hmm. uh, most of my life. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the right forum to address that complaint, was there a part of you as she was talking to you that was thinking, what can I do to help her? You know, how can I be a public servant and solve this problem if I can? Yeah, I mean, you, know, you always want to, to to help people when they're in distress. And I know when it's a family situation, it's emotional. And, you know, i you know, you want to steer her in the right direction to whatever legal situation needs to do. It was not a, a place, like I said, that 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 we really, you know, would have been involved in. She needed to have seen a, you know, a magistrate or whatever um, to deal with it. And it's, you know, it was a tough situation. It caught me flat-footed I, I, uh, as, you know, she came. That was a public input. So, you know, you don't have any idea what anybody's going to talk to you about when they come to public input. So, uh did the best we could to deal with it at the time. Yeah. Do you think that was an instance where someone came to you just because they needed to talk to somebody, not because they necessarily wanted their problem solved. They just thought someone should know their story and that someone was the aid of you. You know, I, I would say uh, that you deal in this business in, in, in public service with people that come and talk to you and they just want to vent. And um, in private, you do that. You let people vent. Um, you know, this was an unfortunate circumstance as far as, you know, being on, you know, at a public meeting like that. But, yeah, I think the people want to tell you what their side of the story. And, um, uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes.
thank you for listening to Bridging the Political Gap. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it. And we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on, on our show. So if you'd like to, please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, thanks again, and so long for now.